This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. So we are beginning today, Be'ezrat uh, Hashem, this is the fifth class on Mashiach. First of all, we are learning tonight, So we're doing, we're continuing tonight with the fifth uh, class in the series of Mashiach. So last week and this week is a little bit attached. You will be able to understand everything, even if you didn't hear last week's, but um, they are connected because we were speaking about Ishmael and the exile of Ishmael, which is before the coming of Mashiach, which is where we are right now. So we ended off uh, uh, last week with the fact that there will never be peace. There will never be peace in the Middle East. Sounds like a wrap. Right? It's not it, It's not going to happen. We're going to discuss that uh, today, why and what's the sources for, to offer that. The um, Also, I do have to clarify, apparently last week... Um, was came brought to my attention that I said something like you have to learn about Islam. You don't have to learn about Islam. Well, we're the purpose. Of what I what we, the reason why we're discussing this. We're not. We're not. Uh, again, we discussed it last week. We're not here to bash Islam. We're not here to uh, make fun of anybody. We're here to try to learn. And the purpose is to learn. We know the Chazal tell us that if we're in an exile, there's a reason why we are in a particular exile. It must be because something that we could learn. And it, the Chazal say because from whatever we could see from our oppressors, we can learn by their character traits. We can learn what we need to fix about ourselves. So what we're trying to do in the, the last class and this class was Adashem is try to learn about Ishmael and what are we supposed to learn about it from it from them. So not that we have to go and open up the Quran now and start reading it, uh, stick to the Torah, it's going to be more than enough for you. So the um, so, so to speak about peace, so we know that, uh, especially in the liberal world, that they're very strongly trying to make peace in the Middle East. They're trying to do it, and this guy couldn't do it, so now Trump, the best businessman, the best talker, he's going to be able to do it. Obama thought he could do it. Everybody thinks that they could do it. Bill Clinton thought that he was able to do it. And, and they're constantly trying. And the more liberal you are, the more they don't understand why there can't be peace. So we'll... Um, We'll discuss today what's the essence of Yishmael that there can be something of, of, of peace. So, the Rambam, to start, the Rambam writes in Igarat Eman, he says that, uh, the, and this is on Tehilim, on the chapter Tehilim, chapter 120, Kufchaf, he says that there's no nation to Israel that is worse to Israel than Ishmael. And David HaMelech said, said about this in, in uh, Tehilim Kufchaf, he says when he speaks about the children of Kedar, the children of Kedar is... Um, we know if you look at the, at Bereshit, at Genesis, and you look at it in, oh, it's right over here. It is chapter 25, verse 13. It speaks about who are the name, the, the children of Ishmael. And of them is Kedar. So over here, when, when David Amelach is refer, is speaking about a certain group of people, Kedar is referring to the child, the, the child of Ishmael. And what does he say about them? He said, woe to me, woe unto me, for I dwelt with, with, uh, with the tents of Kedar. And then David Amel finishes the, the, the chapter of Tehidim. He says, I am for peace. But when I speak, they are for war. This is what David Amel wrote over 2,000 years ago. So we see over here that even if we come for peace, they're not interested in it. They might say it. We'll soon see how it exactly it's going to actually play out. Anybody here familiar with something called the Oslo Agreement? Oslo Accords? So the, the Oslo Agreement was a, um, a, a agreement that was signed between the State of Israel and the Pal- uh, Palestinian Liberation Organization. The PLO. This was done in um, in, ni- in September in 1993. So this was done between the back then the, the Prime Minister Yitzhak Rabin and the uh, PLO chairman, which was Yasser Arafat. Right, Yimach So the um, and who was in between them? Who was the witness? The witness was Bill Clinton. Right. Also the 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 amazing president. You know what? Let's just continue. All right. So 
the, so there was two parts of this agreement. Number one was part A, which was a, which was giving a Palestinian a self, uh, a self government. They are able to govern by themselves. That was part A, that was done in 1993. 1995 was a part B, which gave the expansion of the Palestinian Authority, uh, land. They basically gave land back to them. So, we were, everybody was under the impression that what? That, listen, you give them something that they want, they'll come back to you with peace. So now we're gonna go and give them land. That's what it's like Rabin's plan was. He wanted to give them back the land. So in, in turn, they will be, it will be peaceful and there will not be any more, any more conflict. But what happened to the exact places that he gave them the lands? They ended up becoming the hotbeds of terrorists. And we see, for example, you look at, uh, you look at Gaza. Gaza, we gave them back a big chunk. Now, what do they do to that? Instead of making it a self, you know, government that Hamas took over, and not only do they not take care of their own citizens, they actually go and use all their funds to go and, and build missiles and build tunnels and, and try to, again, terrorize Israel for what? For more land. To give them more land. And we think, okay, we'll give them more, more, more. You think they're going to stop over there? They will not. And we could, to, to understand why we will not, they, we have to learn a little bit about their history. So, when, um, when they started spreading, about uh, the the Islam, it, it didn't it didn't start off so well. It wasn't you know nobody was really buying you know the bait. They weren't so interested in it. He got you know family and friends. They got but to get the the whole population, they didn't they couldn't get anything. So twelve years they tried, wasn't successful. So what they did was is they decided they're going to move to Medina. Medina was like the Jewish business hub back then, and they sort of tried to make. Islam very similar to Judaism, and this is how we know. If you look, if you look in the well, you shouldn't look in the Quran, but the Quran speaks about the people of the book. The people of the book is known as the Jewish people, and they try to make it very similar. And that's why you see there's a lot of similarities between Islam and Judaism. For example, they uh, the Jews we pray three times a day. Islam prays five times a day. And by the way, they pray like before sunrise and after sunset. They have like very particular times uh, that they that they pray. Additionally, something very interesting, they also wash their hands before prayer. We also wash our hands before uh, before prayer. We fast on Yom Kippur. We fast. We have actually numerous types of fast. So they also fast on Ramadan. They, um, they, they what? They do. They take everything to the extra level. Because we, we pay three times a day. They say, no, we're going to pray five times a day. We wash our so, hands. They wash their feet. And like their whole thing, so they they yeah they go they do they go to extreme levels. So, um, but the reason why they they pray specifically five times a day is because our holiest day of the year is Yom Kippur. We pray five prayers on Yom Kippur. So because we had that, they say, ah, your holiest day, all our days are going to be as holy as that. So they try to up everything, and we'll see. It's always it's like a competition. Like no, because we're better than you. You know, it's literally like that type of situation, which we're going to soon see. But. We, we don't eat pork, they don't eat pork. And in fact, if you look at, you know, um, Islam, so Islam eats a halal meat. And it's, a, the hakshal is, is like a moon. By the way, it's not kosher. A Jew cannot eat a halal meat. But a Muslim is able to eat kosher meat. This is why it's very interesting that where, where Jews, let's say they move out to, Muslims move out into the same area. Because it's very convenient for them and it's easy for them to buy kosher food. So you look at, you know, there's like the Coney Island section over here. The Jews moved over there. You know, little Pakistan moved over there. And then you have, you know, little in, in the areas. Why? Because they are religious and they need to eat kosher food. And if they don't have halal, they could eat. They could eat kosher food. And they also, they don't, they don't drink blood. They, so they are, they have also strict guidelines. They do, they do eat like any fish is fine. Uh, some of them are very careful not to eat sharks or whatever, like carnivores type of fish. But they have a much less restriction. For some reason about this, they're much less restricted than us. But um, they do have similar restrictions that they try to show. Listen, we're the same. We're the same. So he went. So so they they went over to um to the Jewish uh, the, the Jewish in Medina over there and he said, "Listen, join us. You know, we're like brothers. We're the same. We're cousins." 
So the Jews didn't buy to it. I was like, no, we're not interested. We got our thing over here. You know, you do your thing. And uh, they became very, very upset with that. And they went, not only did they not, you know, have any treaty or a peace treaty going on with the Jews, they went against the Jews. They went against and they terrorized the Jews um, for, not, for not coming back. And you know, there's, um, you're familiar with the Yellow Star? That it's, if, you, if you look, it was, you know, people think that it was attributed to Germany. It was brought back way before. It was invented by the second caliph in the ninth century in Iraq to identify Jews. They were, we walk with the yellow star to know who's a Jew and who's not a Jew. Why? Because if a Jew is walking down the street and a Muslim is walking down the same side of the street, the Jew would be required to cross the street so not to contaminate the Muslim with the Jewish filth where they're walking by. So they were very, very, uh, um, you know, and besides that, they also, they would cause, if you, if you didn't convert to Islam, they would force you to pay an exorbitant amount of taxes mm-hmm. that you have to go and, and do that. And by the way, this is also why they have, um, so you know the, um, the, what is that, the Al-Aqsa Mosque, right? It's otherwise, it's also known as um, the Mosque of Omar. It was, it was after the second Caliph Omar, he prayed at the site, and then they went and they built a mosque at that, at that site. Why? So that they would be able to convert more Jews to, Judea, to, to, to Islam. So that was the whole purpose that we're trying to convert, but on Harabite. On... Oh, that's what it's called? Mm-hmm. Oh. So, so that's why they they uh, they built they built that they tried to get it it didn't work for them so they went and they tried to spread Islam and Islam wasn't you know wasn't as popular so they started going by force and what happened was is that they were when they, while while they were in Medina they were trying to capture this uh, the town of Mecca the town the, whatever it was the country the area of Mecca so but they weren't able to so they decided that they're going to make a treaty. They made a treaty with the, I guess Meccans would be the right terminology, with the Meccans and the, I guess the, the, the Muslims back then, they made a treaty for 10 years. Not gonna do it, not gonna do anything, we'll have, we'll have peace, because they kept on trying to fight, they couldn't win it. So the peace treaty for 10 years. Two years went by, and they used this time to build their army. The, the Yishmaelim used this time to build their army. Once they had their army built enough, they went and they attacked Mecca, and they got it within like 24 hours, they captured everything, because they, 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 you know, they had a treaty. So even the the origins of the Ishmael of this was an origin of falsehood, which means that you cannot trust anything that they sign because anything that they sign means means nothing. Just look, and the proof of this is so the the the, the treaty that this was called was called the Treaty of Quraysh, Quraysh, or something along those lines. So uh, when um, when Yasser Arafat went and he shook his hands of uh, Yitzhak Rabin, all you know the Egyptian and the Jordanian uh, you know media went and asked him. It says, "How do you shake the hands with the devil himself?" You shake the hands with the filth of the filth. How dare you, you know, uh, you know, go and make agreements with the Jews? So, um, so Yasser Arafat answered, answered something that went over everybody's head except for, for, for the Islam. Islam understood exactly what he said. He said, remember Hudabaya, Hudabiya, whatever, something along those lines. Uh, he re- and everybody else was like, he's like, what do you say? Well, I don't know, Hudabiya, something like, all right, whatever. You know, all the, all the entire Islam be like, oh, we got, we got to be talking about. What does that mean, Hudabiya? Hudabiya means, remember, we're signing the treaty. You know why we're signing the treaty? Just so we can build up with our own. Just like they did it back then. The, the, the origin of Islam started off with what? Started off with like, yeah, we'll sign a treaty until we're ready to fight, and then we won't tell you, we'll fight you. So the same thing happened to Yasser Arafat. Now everybody realized exactly what he was doing. That's why a short, a few short years later, what happened? The Intifada came out, headed by who? Yasser Arafat. He went and he, this was all a ploy. It was all a ploy to either buy time, get some supplies, get some land, and then when he's, when he's powerful enough, he's gonna go and he's gonna, he's gonna fight them. This is why we started, we said, uh, in the last class, we said, 
that Pilkei uh, Rabbi he said that there's 15 things that Ishmael is going to do to the Jews before Mashiach comes. And of those things, we said the paper and the quill will shrivel, which means that it's not going to be worth it. If they sign a peace treaty, the paper is not worth, it's worth zilch, it's worth nothing. It's not worth, because it, you, how do you trust somebody that their origin says that they could just, you know, renege whenever they want? It's like, how do you make, you, that's impossible to make peace and uh, with that. So, the, um, and, and it's interesting because still, somehow, you have it that, uh, you know, they believe in the Torah, the people of the book. They believe in that. And, but at the same time, you know, it says in the Torah, straight out, that the, the Israel belongs to who? It belongs to the Jewish people. But yet, they read the Torah, or whatever it is, or whatever part they read, but yet they say, no, 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 Israel belongs to us. Somehow, that whole thing got skipped over. To answer that was the essence that we spoke about last week was Yishmael. Yishmael, he's going to decide to hear whatever he wants to hear. Yishma. Hear, which is the word here, tell God, which means is God will hear me. Whatever I say is law. So, this, you know, you would think that, you know, you could see that there's no, there's no way to do peace. So if you want to say, okay, fine. Um, you know, overall, it's a peaceful, you know, they always state, it's a very peaceful religion. It's a very, very, it's a peaceful, Islam is being mistaken by the radicals of Islam. Rather, it's really a, a peaceful religion. So, a, a rough estimate, as of the year 1924, there was 217 million people were killed by Islam since its origin. Peaceful, uh, I don't know. Uh, and you know, back then, they didn't have, um, it wasn't, there was no, um, you know, these technologically advanced bombs. It was by the sword. So by 1924, you had 200, roughly estimate of 217 million people died for the sake of a peaceful religion. Hard to believe. But let's say, okay, you want to still say that it's peaceful. And it's only the radicals, you know, the, the big, the radicals, Islams, that's what we have to worry about. By the way, I'm not saying that no, there's no good Islam, there's no good Islamic people. Not at all. Shalom. I'm sure a majority of them are good. I'm sure. Um, and by the way, they also, they, they preach monotheism which is something that we look up to because every, you know, the whole point is to spread God's name throughout the entire world. Islam, and it's a little bit, you know, roundabout way is spreading out monotheistic values as opposed to Christianity, which uh, spreads a value of a trinity, which is Avodah Zarah. So, but at the same point in time, so you say, listen, the majority is peaceful. It's a peaceful religion. So we're talking about you have roughly 1.8 uh, billion Muslims in the world. The, it's estimated that you're, you're talking about between 15 to 25 percent of radical Islam. So you not 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 50 percent, 15. But you know what? 15 to 25 percent of of 1.8 billion is. That's between 180 to 300 million people that are radical. You know how much Jewish nation we have? We have about 14 million Jews. So you're talking somewhere between 10 to 20 times the amount of Jews that we have in the world are, that's how many more radical Islams are there are over there. So no, don't worry about it, it's just the radicals. So that the radicals can eat us, you know, 10 to 20 times more than what we exist. So, and let's say, even if you don't want to worry about it. So let's look at Palestine for a little bit. Let's look at, so, so Palestine, you think, okay, listen, maybe some of them do want peace. You know, they have, uh, since it's founded, they uh, came out with 700 textbooks. And not one textbook has the, the, the term peace appears there. It doesn't. It doesn't the, the word doesn't appear in their vocabulary. So, and besides that, if you see the Palestinian media, I, somebody, this is years ago, um, somebody once sent me a cartoon that they watched the little, that they show to the little kids. And in it, it's like a song. You know, it's like the cartoon is like bubbly. You've seen this? It's a cartoon, it's very bubbly. You see like a guy walking, you know, and it's like, you know, the music is like, you know, like the Sesame Street, you know, very nice, like baby Einstein type of music. And they're singing, you know, like, you know, and if you see the Jew, and then you gotta kill it, and you will be a shahid, you know, whatever, I'm making the, the tune up, you know. Uh, so this is what they're preaching. 
to the little kids. This is what they're teaching to the little kids. He says this in all his like speeches. If you listen to any of his speeches, he talks about Who? the president, uh, the prime minister. I don't know. Oh, from from uh, the yeah. pal- I wouldn't be surprised. They preach this. They preach this. The the graduation. Uh, the IDF came out. I think I spoke about this last week. I don't remember if I did, if I did. I apologize for repeating it. But um, the IDF came out with a video that they they found from um, from Palestine that they show the kindergarten graduation where you see little kids. You know, have these fake, I hope it's fake, ammunition with like bulletproof vests. And they're walking. And you see a little Hasid, you know, one of the, the Palestinian kids dressed up as a Hasid. You know, so he has like pigtails. Things supposed to be payas and like a little hat, maybe like a fake tzitzit. And what do they come? They come with the guns and they push them on the ground and they jump over them. It's like literally they're preparing for war as a kindergarten. I once saw um, a cartoon that they had for the kids, and it was like their version of Mickey Mouse, who was like dancing happy like that song, and then he's like, all right, kids, and now we kill the Jew, and yeah. <laughs> they're yeah. literally like stabbing. <laughs> and this is what you're training to, by the way, little kids are very, their brains are like, they, they, uh, they absorb everything, they're like a sponge. So if you're teaching this to little kids now, right, think about it, with, you know, the, the terrorists that we have now didn't have this growing up. They were, you know, they were terrorists. They'll say, back in the day, you know, our terrorists, we had to work by the book. Over here, they're training everybody as a little, so it's only going to get worse. It's not going to get any better. It's not, people, people are fooling themselves. They go, oh, no, 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 it's going to be better. We're going to, we're going to train them. We're going to, you know, the, the liberals, oh, they, they oh, you know, the, what do they think they do? Okay, let's educate them. Let's educate them. We'll give them some money. We'll give them some education. And then they're going to be civilized. They're not going to be radical. You know, um, there was a recently two doctors got arrested. Um, I don't remember which country this was in because they tried to blow up the hospital that they worked in. Islamic doctors. So you're talking about people that are well-educated, lawyers, doctors that are going, they're fighting with ISIS, they're going and they're blowing themselves up, they're killing other people for the name of Allah, for the name of being a shahid, for the name of being a martyr. This is something that you cannot fight. And until we realize that, it's going to keep on happening. What's their logic in, in blowing people up in the name of Islam? Shouldn't they be trying to like convert them in the name of Islam? So it's something, something very interesting, and we'll speak about it soon. Rabbi Chaim Vital says that at the end of the days, they're not even going to be interested in converting. They just want them out, out of the picture. Which is what Rabbi Chaim Vital said about uh, um, 500, uh, 400 years ago. So the... Um, and then even furthermore, what they do is, is that um, there was videos that were going after September 11th. What they used to do is that they, they were celebrating. Palestinians were celebrating. And they were celebrating even in New Jersey. They give out candy to kids. They give out candy to kids. And they're blowing, you know, the little, you know, the little, you know, whatever you call those things. And they're celebrating and they're praising their God that, the, you know, the Twin Towers was, uh, was destroyed. And every... You know what even happens even more so? If somebody becomes a martyr, if somebody goes and blows a suicide bomber, what they do is, is that they, they make portraits of these people. And they put like Islamic, um, you know, verses from the Quran in them, and then they post them on buildings. So they, they idolize these people. So now, like, why shouldn't they do it? These are what kids are taught of it. This is how they're going to end up becoming. Tehilim chapter 118 verse 12. It says, David Amalek is saying, says, V'yodifu etchem ka'asher they will pursue you, pursue, they will pursue you like bees. Right? They will pursue, what does that mean like bees? Explains Rashi, you know, like when a bee stings you, it dies. So explains, this is, this is something amazing. Rabbi Yitzhak Zevzalavechik, the briskerab, he explained after World War II, he said that they will come, that B'nai Shema'el, they will rise up, and they will sacrifice themselves like bees. They'll kill themselves like bees, you know, and it says something very interesting. It says the numerical value, gematia, of Hadivorim is the same numerical value as Ben Hagar. 
So bees is the same thing because just like bees, they'll when they sting you, they'll they'll hurt one person, but they'll die themselves. So too Ishmael, they don't care if they're going to die. That's fine with them as long as they get some somebody along with them. So the the with all these problems and and you know. They actually go into details. What does it mean to be praised? You know, they say if you blow yourself up, that's one of the top levels of paradise that you're going to go to. And they go. Generally, this is referred to as as uh, uh, you know for for men. And they go to explicit detail on what the pleasures that you are going to get. Uh, you know, up there, which is you know, it's so disturbing how detailed they get into it that I can't even go just from Nivulpe. You can't even say these things. You can't even read these things. How how explicit they go? It's disgusting. And what they this is their sole purpose in life. Is you know it, there was there was a it was I don't know what you call it an imam the the you know the head priest whatever one of the the preachers so um, they he goes like this and he says listen he says he's he's preaching and you see I, I saw this clip of a video and you see like it, it pans out and you see like little kids playing you know everyone sitting on the magic carpets you know and they're you know the shoes in the back and they're over there and he's preaching on this like you know pedestal over there with a little microphone and you see little kids like walking around and he's there what is he preaching he says when you get to heaven. It says, for every wife that you have, you get 70, uh, 70 virgins. And then he stops at the you know, uh, may, may, uh, may Allah save you. Oh, 70 virgins. Right? And then he says, but you're allowed to marry up to four women at one time, according to Islamic law. So it says, for, for every woman, every wife that you have here, 70 virgins up there. And so they, they get, they, they marry a lot. They marry a lot. And... Uh, Wait, four at a time or four at the same day? Four, four at a, uh, We don't have to go to the halakhot of Islam. Like, not, you <laughs> it's interesting. You know how you, uh, how, uh, you know, they divorce? They divorce by saying you're divorced, you're divorced, you're divorced. Three times. That's it. The Bian says you're divorced and it says, yalla, you know, <laughs> out of my house. And uh, that's it. But it's interesting, you know, while we're speaking about their, uh, uh, their halakhot over here, that, uh, you know what, do you know what, you know how much a woman a woman, you know, that commits, uh, uh, you know, whatever, becomes a shahid, you know how much men she gets? One. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, one. All right, but that's, uh, you know, I'm not asking questions on there, you know. Okay, but in any case, we see over here what? We see over here, and by the way, if you say that the, the, Quran, the Quran has over 160 verses that preach, that calls for more murder and jihad. So, when they say that it's a, you know, a peaceful religion... Maybe I'm mistaken from it. Maybe statistics are mistaken by it. Maybe the media is mistaken by it. But it doesn't look so peaceful. Granted, I'm not saying that they're not peaceful people amongst them. But overall, you cannot make peace with somebody that A, doesn't want peace. That B, wants you, wants you dead. Um, that C, you can't even trust anything that they say regarding the peace. So, even the, the head of the, of the Hezbollah, they were made, a, they sort of, a, you know, uh, big meetings. Uh, so he can't, they, they couldn't understand why that they, God gave them this infection of a Jewish state right amongst all the Islamic territories. So he came up and he says, no, no, no. He says, listen, this works. This is, this is the conclusion they came out is God sent them to us over here. Why? Because in order to make it for easier for us to destroy them, Hitler, and this is what he says, says Hitler was unsuccessful because of the Jews dispersion. But he says, Allah, he's going and he's gathering everybody for us so we can go and can finish them one for one and for all. Right? So all the liberal people, I doubt liberal people listen to, the, but if they do listen to Shia Torah, you know, get out of, you know, take the helmet, whatever it is that you're living in the shell, and get out and realize that there is not going to be peace with them. And this exile is going to be until the end of days. Until the end of days. 
It says that, uh, the Torah says that, um, when Abraham was making a feast when Yitzhak uh, was weaned, so the, the Sarah saw the son of, of Hagar, which was Ishmael, he was mitzachek, he was mocking. What does that mean that he was mocking? He was making fun. He says, this is, Yitzhak is not, uh, um, you know, is not, is not Abraham's son. He's Abimelech's son. He's Paro's, you know, he's, cause what happened was is that she got taken away for one night, Sarah. So he said, you yeah, know, her, his mother was, you know, 90 at the time. What, she's gonna give birth to, 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 you know, to her son? It's not, Abraham was 100. It says, not possible. It says, not possible. He says, rather, he is Abimel. Why was he saying this? Why was Ishmael trying to push away the fact that, that he was the, that Yitzhak was the son of, of, uh, Abraham? Because that if Abraham and is not related to Yitzhak, that means he has no say in his inheritance. And he knew that God promised him to be, to have Israel. So Ishmael was already planting the seed over here. He says, no, 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 no. He says, he's not even, he started mitzachek. He was starting making fun. He says, there's no way that he is my, uh, my half-brother. So, the, um, but we, but the Chazal actually tell us that Ishmael actually did tshuva before. He did tshuva before he died. We see this in, uh, Genesis chapter 25 verse 9. It says that, you know, when they went to bury Abraham, Ishmael allowed Yitzchak to go ahead of him. Which means this, when they went to bury him, which means this, here, he already gave a, you know, he already showed to be like, listen, you know, he, this is already proof that he agrees that, listen, that it must be that Yitzchak is part of, uh, um, part of the family and he does get, uh, the inheritance. He did, he did make tshuva then. Yeah. So, the um you know the the Quran does believe in the in the Torah, but they switch some things around. One of the things that they switch around is who got sacrificed, which means as you know that Yitzhak was put on an altar and he was going to get sacrificed. But the but according to the Quran, it wasn't Yitzhak; it was Ishmael. The question is why particularly they pick this as you know the sacrifice as part of uh, um, the part that they're going to they're going to change. So if you look at the part uh, where Abraham got tested, in Genesis chapter 22, verse 1, it says, After these things, then it says that uh, God told him, Listen, Abraham, I want you to take your son, your only son, your favorite son, you know, Yitzchak, I want you to take him, I want you to slaughter him on the altar. But the, the part that I want to focus was, was, After these things, what things are we referring to over here? So there was a um, there was sort of a, bo- a boasting, you know, going back and forth between Yitzchak, and Ishmael. Yitzchak, you know, Ishmael was, was, was boasting. He was saying, he was saying, listen, he was like, um, he's like, you know, you got circumcised on the eighth day. I got circumcised when I was 13 years old. I, you know, you couldn't have fought it off. I was able to fight it off. So Yitzchak goes back to him and is like, oh, you're telling me about one organ? He says, if God will tell me to sacrifice everything, I'll sacrifice my whole entire life. So now that he opened it up, so, oh, so now, 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 after this, he says, now, take your son, your only son, take him and go sacrifice him. Yeah, after, after Yitzhak said this. So this came a big problem, because Yitzhak went willingly to sacrifice for Yishmael. But the problem, was it was a problem, the problem, the problem was, is that, Ishmael is the one who says, no, 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 I'm the one who does the bigger sacrifice. So they went and they switched everything around to show that they are the one who gets, uh, the, the bigger, the bigger sacrifice. And we see also that, you know, Sarah wanted to send Ishmael away. Why did he want to send Ishmael away? To sort of show that he has no part of your inheritance. So what did, I, what did God say? God said, listen to your wife Sarah and send him away. And they went and Abraham went and he sent Ishmael away. This is while there were, everyone was still alive. They sent him away to show him that he has no part of the inheritance of, of, of Abraham. Now, we, we have to still find out that Yishmael still has a merit. We see that they have the land. They had, they were, they, they had the land for many years. And they had the ability to you know, get a lot. Where did they get this merit from? They even, they even called Adam. And they even have the name of God amongst, uh, you know, in the, in their name. So, the, the Zohar says that the merit that they have is actually that they perform the Bilt Milah. Because they do, they perform the Bilt Milah at the age of 13, which is very, very tough. They perform the Bilt Milah over there, but the problem is, is that they're, they only perform partially. They don't, um, 
they don't uh, they don't do the priya part. So they only do a partial part of the of the brit milah, and hence they being that their their brit the way the, the Kabbalah explains it, it's empty. It's done, but it's done with empty. There's nothing. There's no. There's no essence to it. So because of that, they will only live in El Israel when it's empty. And this is the same idea. The Zohar says that when the Jews are sent to exile, the the land is going to be empty, just like the, the Ishmaelim. The circumcision is going to be empty. They're going to dwell in the land when it's empty as well. So that's where they're going to where they're going to uh, dwell in that land. And we see they did. And the Zohar says, by the way, when the time comes for them to leave, they're not going to want to leave. They're going to make it very difficult for us to get it back. And this, Rabbi, Rabbi Baruch Abu Chatzara, he was the son of the Baba Sali, he, he explains, uh, uh, he quotes from the Zohar. The Zohar, there was Rabbi Shem Bayechai says, and that there was a ministering angel of Ishmael. He came over to God and said, God, listen, every good deed gets a reward, right? So I say, yeah, of course. So Ishmael went, and he got circumcised, not by eight days old, but when 13 years old. So he has to also get a reward. So says, you know, Rabbi Baruch Abu Chatzara says, yes, he is going to get a reward. Where is the reward going to be? For every year that he had, he is going to get 100 years of the land of Israel. So that gives a total of 1,300 years. And you look at the math of when, you know, Islam started, to when, you know, when they actually got control of the land, to when they have actual, um, you know, to where we are nowadays, the 1,300 years is just about up. The 1,300 years is just about up. So we see this is really going to be the end of the, the, end of the line. The, um, but this, there's another reason why he has a merit. One of the other reasons is, is Hashem um, told uh, Sarah that, he's gonna, that she's going to have a child. And told Abraham also. And Abraham said, listen, he says, oh, I thought that was mine. So <laughs> the, he, he says, um, he, he, Abraham says, he says, listen, I'm a hundred. My wife is 90. Can we have a child now? He said, if only that Yishmael would live before you. We have already a son. And the words that he uses, Lui Yishmael Lefanecha. He says, we have over here a child over here. Let's use over here. We're old with this. So because of that, you know, uh, prayer that Abraham did, Yishmael got a part to the land. And because, of, so he also has a part to the land because of that. So, now we have a question we have to ask. So we see, we have still, we, now we have control of Israel. But Yishmael is also, plays a very, very strong role in it. So how is it possible? If we have the why, where is the still the the struggle over here? So the answer is is that even though you're right, we do have the land, we do have the land, but the land is not being ruled by by religious faith. It's it's ruled by by people that that are completely secular. They actually brought communism to Israel, and they brought that mentality of a completely secular mentality. So even though we have so many shivat, but it's still not ruled the kosher way. The uh, and there's another there's another very very interesting um, and people that come from Islamic backgrounds can attest to this that there's another very interesting merit that Ishmael has and that is hachnasat ochim that is accepting um, guests. So we know that uh, when Ishmael was sent out, so Abraham just didn't leave him. He actually went to visit him. There's a midrash that says it. Pekei de Abeleza brings it down, and he says that uh, you know first Ishmael married a woman from the, from Moab, and uh, I think about three years passed by, and Abraham went to visit. He went to visit his you know his son Ishmael in in the desert, and he goes to visit him, but he saw that Ishmael and Hagar were not there. They went out to the field. So who told him this? The, uh, one of his you know his wife, which was from Moab, told him. He said, "Listen, you know um, Ishmael and Hagar went to the fields to collect dates." So Abraham said, okay. He says, can I have, you know, I just traveled from the desert. Can I have, please, some bread and water? So she said, she denied. She says, no, you can't, you can't have, but well, we don't have it, you know, whatever it is. She denied it. So Abraham said, listen, okay, no problem. He says, do me a favor. When your husband comes, he didn't say that who he was. He didn't say who he was. He says, when your husband comes home, just tell them an old man from Canaan came over here and tell him, and tell him that the threshold of his house is no good. 
alluding to the fact that his wife is no good. So she, she she's like, all right, well, weird thing to say, but all right. So she goes, all right, Ishmael comes on, listen, there was an old man from Canaan, he came over here, and he said the threshold from your house is no good. And he's like, I was like oh, really? Divorce, divorce, divorce. Ah, da, da. <laughs> I, I don't know if it was back then, but he, whatever, he just divorced her. He divorced her, and, and then Hagar went, and he found her uh, another wife from her family. And this time, you know, I think her name was Petuma. And this time, you know, Abraham came again to visit, and the, again, he wasn't Ishmael, and I got warrant, warrant home. He says, where are they? He says, they're grazing their camels out in the fields. So he says, okay, can I please have some bread and water? I've been traveling in the desert. And she said, sure. And she went, and she gave him, um, you know, a, a, uh, um, all that he asked for the food. So then when Abraham went and prayed, he prayed for the, uh, for the house of Ishmael to be blessed. Right, with all comes, well, all, with all kinds of blessing. So now, when Ishmael came back and he heard, he first, first of all, even though he didn't see his father, but his father came twice, he saw that his father still had concern for him. He still, he still cared about him. So, explains from this incident, explains Rav David Luria, the Radal. And he says that the reason why, what, what was the reason that, um, that Ishmael went and he divorced is because he realized that his father was some, was for some reason not upset about the way that she acted. Why? Because we know Abraham, his essence was chesed. His answer you know, his tent was open up in all four directions. Anybody could come into his tent. He had an open door policy. Anybody could come in, you didn't have to pay for any of the food. All you have to do was thank God afterwards. You have to, you know, he gave a little lecture. He thanked God. He preached uh, the monotheism. And that's all he asked for. So he had a very open door. That was his essence. His essence was chesed. When he saw his son and his, what they weren't doing, he says, you're not going to have blessing over here. He said, when, the, when, what happened? When she went and he saw that she did give him and she was open to Achnas then they got the blessing. So we see till nowadays, Islam, or anybody from the Islamic countries, they welcome guests tremendously, like, like more than anybody else. We could, we, you know, something that you could actually learn from. And even, there's actually laws, if you, if you go look, the, um, uh, in the, the, well, don't go look, but just trust me. The, Islam has, has, has laws that, on how to treat your guests. And they even bring, you know, on their prophet that says that, you know, if a guest came, he would give him his cushion. Even if he only had anyone, he would give him these things. And they would welcome them and they say, even if the guest comes uninvited, even if he comes uninvited, you don't want him. You go and you have to treat him very nicely or her very nicely and you welcome it and you give them food. And then, you know, they're very careful because they say like some people are more strict on certain, uh, you know, hachsharim in the Muslim world. You know, some people don't eat like shark like we said before. So you have to be careful what you give them, make sure that you give them. That's why they said it's always safe. You could always go with something vegetarian. And that's why hummus became very popular. It's a vegetarian thing. Um, you could dip that with, uh, you know, it's a very easy dish to give that everybody will say that it's okay for the Islam faith. So they're very pro-chesed. So again, this is a merit for them. They're doing, the, they're doing a chesed. So again, this is also a merit that comes into their hand. So the, um, now we have to try to understand what is the purpose? What, what is the bottom line purpose of Ishmael in the end of days? So the, um, right now, it's very unfortunate. The way that the world is, is going is we rely on our own powers. And we do. We rely, the Western world relies on it, Israel, we all rely on our own powers. Right? The Pasuk is, You know, you go to a businessman, he'll be like, how, you, how are you so successful? It's like, you know, I'm a good, I'm a businessman, you saw how I talk? He says, I could sell anything. And he says, you know, I could sell you your own house. Again. You know, and so he said, you know, like, why do they, why, where do they give a tribute their, their uh, success to themselves? It's all my, it's all this, it's all me. You know why we're so successful? We have the strongest army and we have the best air force and we have the best naval. Everything is we, we, we. It's comes Yishmael. It's all right. You think you're so good with all your technology? With all the technology that we have, we spoke about it last week, you could have little Omar and little Muhammad sitting in the basement and building a pipe bomb and then they could go and kill 30 people. They could go and buy a gun and destroy it. Where is technology? Where is your best air force? Where is all this stuff? It's, it's useless. 
So while we're thinking, you know, that everything is all about us, Yishmael is reminding us, yeah, yeah, you could have all the technology you want. If something's going to get done, something's going to get done. They're restoring the faith that we are supposed to have to God. The emunah and bitachon that we are supposed to have to God. They're making us reminded by hook or by crook. And this is why we said Yishmael, his name is Yishmael because he will hear, right? And we said that his name is going to be in the future, he will hear in the future. What will he hear? We know the Basuk in Bereshit Genesis, chapter 27, uh, verse 22. It says, What do we list? We're waiting. God's waiting for the prayer. The prayer, you know what Ishmael is going to do at the end of the days? He's going to make it that Akol Kol Yaakov. He's going to hear the prayer of Yaakov because he's going to, he's going to make you forget about everything that you own. Everything that you have is going to be useless. It's not going to, it's not going to help. And this is what we see. You know, we spoke about this in, the, in class number two and class number three of Mashiach, uh, the Gemara and Sotat, page 49, that said, you know, all these things that would happen at the end of days. You know, the audacity is going to increase. You know, the truth is going to be absent. The young will insult the old. The, uh, and then at the end, what does it end off? We have no one to rely on, only our Father in Heaven. So, we see over here that we have two options. At the end of the day, we're going to rely only on God. There's two options. Either we're going to do it ourselves, or Ishmael is going to help us to, to do that. And you know what you realize? When do people start having faith? When they start losing their business. When the marriage starts not working. When the health starts going. That's when they start, when they start opening up and say, Okay, God, you know, please, uh, can you help me? Until uh, Once everything is going fine, they're fine. That's why in rich communities... You don't see that they're not so religious. What any religion you go to, Islam, Christian, you know, Saudi Arabia, for example, very, they're not as strict as everybody everywhere else. You go to, you know, even in the Jewish, uh, unfortunately, the Jewish world, they're the really, really religious, really, really wealthy, and I'm not saying as a blanket statement, but overall, are not as religious, and you, in the Christian world also. You go to like the, the poor towns of Mex- in the Mexico, where they're, where they're most strongly religious, where they're really poor. You have a church in every corner. Right? You have everything in every corner. Why? Because they feel like now they need it. So there's two ways to go through this at the end of the days. Either we do it ourselves and we say, listen, we don't need Yishmael. We get the point already. Go deal with your thing. We'll deal with our faith on our own. And then we'll get to that at the end without having to deal with Yishmael. Or if not, then Yishmael is going to remind us. And they're going to remind us that without your technology, without all your advance of military, without everything, we can still get you. And they can. And look, just, just, just look what's going on. So the, um, the Reb Chaim Friedlander he says in, in a Sifzechayim, he brings down, he says also that, you know, you shouldn't think in a negative aspect. Like, oh, you know, we have no one, you know, usually where does that end off? It end off, we have no one to rely on, only on God. Okay, fine. He says, no, no, it's supposed to be a positive aspect. This is, we're supposed to strive for that. It's telling you where to go, what to achieve, and this way we will be able to avert all the, all the, you know, horrible things that come in the end of days. So, he says, besides this, besides being, um, you know, um, believing in our my own power, you also have to worry about, don't think that you have the spiritual, you know, a lot of people think, okay, I'm a big tzaddik. I keep Shabbat, I keep Sinyut, I keep Kasher, I keep this, I keep this. I'm a good guy, I'm going to be saved at the end of the days. Don't rely on your own merit. Don't rely on your own merit. The only thing that we have to rely on at the end of the day is God's mercy. Because who knows, you really think that you're good? You really think that you're really as, as good as it? And this is what we spoke about, we spoke about, uh, you know, heavily last, last week. What does Ishmael do? Ishmael fools himself. What did, we spoke about this, but it's a good point to bring up again, the, um, cause this is one of the most important points, points that I feel that should be taken out from, from the exile of Ishmael. They think they're always right. They'll blow up the thing, yeah, Allah Akbar. They'll do this, Allah Akbar this, Allah Akbar. Everything that they decide, they're gonna, what, what, when they're saying that, that means that they will never think that they're doing anything wrong. They go and they blow up a, a bus full of kids. What did they scream before that? Praise be God, God be strong, whatever, Allah Akbar. They praise, they praise God, which means is, that everything that they're doing is they're doing it for God. Somebody who always thinks they're doing the right thing will never change. This is the problem with Mabul. This is the problem with Saddam. This is the problem with, with, you know, everybody that got destroyed, got destroyed because there was no hope left for them. 
There was no hope. And unfortunately, we, this is something we have to learn because there are many people that we're dealing with that think, think they're okay. Like, no, no, where I'm, right, where I, right now where I am spiritually, yeah, I'm solid. If I stay over here, I'm good. Don't, don't fool yourself into that. If you always think that you're good where you are spiritually, then you're done. You know you're finished already. You should always achieve to go more. You ask any businessman, says, are you good where you're right right now? And generally, the common thing is, let's say you made a few billion dollars already, you know, why, why go on Shark Tank? Why go, why bother with all that? Go, you know, non-Jewish world, go enjoy the rest of your life. Go on vacations, you know, go on your 250-foot yacht and go travel, buy an island, you know, deal, do whatever you want. Why are they continue working? No, no, no. Because business is that we keep on going to fight. We're never satisfied. We keep on going, keep on going, and keep on going. That's how you should feel spiritually. You should never be satisfied. You should never say, no, 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 I'm good right now. You should always strive for growth because if you don't strive for growth, you're stopping right here, right now, and that means that you're sinking. So a person should never feel that they're good, regardless of it could be in snood, it could be in, uh, in, in, in kosher, it could be in um, you know, learning. Whatever it is, don't think that you learn enough. There's no such thing as you learn. You could always learn more. You could always gain more. So the, um, the, the Gemara tells us in Sanhedrin, page 97, says that if the Jewish people repent on their own good, but if not, it says something very scary. It says that God will raise a king over them whose decrees are as harsh as Haman. Haman wanted to destroy all Jews. From the entire, in one day, he wanted, he was the worst decree possible. Even worse than Hitler. Hitler, you know, had a, you know, was, it was a, even though Hitler was more successful than Haman. But Haman wanted to destroy everybody in one day. All Jews, men, women, children, in the entire, in the entire world, destroy them on one day. At the end of days, if we don't wake up, then God's gonna send us a reminder with somebody as strict and as severe as Haman. So we definitely don't want that. Say no thank you to that, please. So. There's something else that I want to uh, uh, go on with, you know, besides going on Ishmael, we'll see if we have time to breach a little bit up on Edom. The Bilam, the non-Jewish prophet, in the, in the time, you know, of, of the Torah, Moshe Rabbeinu, the, he gave a prophecy of the end of days. He said, the non-Jewish prophet gave a prophecy at the end of days. You want to look it up, it's in Bamidbar Numbers, uh, chapter 24, verse 14. He says, you know, after he went and he tried to, you know, curse them, he couldn't curse them, he says, come. He says, I'm gonna, Bilam goes to, uh, Balak and says, I'm gonna go back to my people, but let me tell you what's gonna happen, what these people are gonna do to your people at the end of days. So, he revealed some things that would happen at the end of days, but he also, he also told them, he told them a trick. He said, listen, I wasn't able to curse them, but he says, you could do something to destroy the Jews. You know what you could do? He says, get them in immorality. And this is where Moab, if you know the, the history of the, of the, you know, in the Torah, they went and they enticed Jewish people to sin with them. And they caused 24,000 people to die in a plague because of that. And Moab went and they, they put out their woman over there and the men, the men sinned with the woman because of that. So the, the Chazade, the Chachachemi mask, says, what is the, why is the proximity, why is it so close, the end of days prophecy that, that Bilam gave to the advice that he gave to, uh, for the immorality? And the answer is, is because this is what's gonna happen in the end of days. Orachim says at the end of days, we're gonna fall to the lowest level of Tumah. At the end of the days, there's going to be a very, very, very strong test. And that's going to be a test in immorality. And it says that's why it was, it was very, the proximity was very close. And we see over here, nowadays, we are in an immoral, not only a society or a generation, the entire world is in a place that it was never like this before. Not First, during the time? In Mitzrayim, because put about, just because you have this. You have, they didn't have this. They didn't have, you know how much problems caused because of this, sins that happened because of this, you know how many people, they didn't have, you know, pictures that women could take of themselves and send to everybody. They didn't have that ability to do that. They didn't have ability to, to put videos. They didn't have it, and what do you have with this connectivity? You could find, it's so easier for, you know, people to do, to do so many sins. I'm not talking about just in the privacy of their own home, also to go out. The, 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 the introduction. Well, wasn't it like similar? I don't know. It was very bad. It was very bad. Don't get me wrong. But what we have nowadays is, is something that they never had before. 
So are we like more impure than them? It says that we're going to go, yeah, it's going to be even more impure. So, there we like... We, so how's how Hashem going to like rescue us and all that jazz? Still? We have two options. Either we're going to do tshuva, or it's going to become the end of the day. And then if we do tshuva, then the Mashiach is going to come in a very miraculous way. If not, then it's going to become in a very harsh way. And we're going to speak about, when we speak about Gog and Magog, how the war is going to be, that war, the final war, a.k.a., you know, people like to call it World War Three. how it's going to be at the end of the days. There's two options how it's going to play out. And we're going to, there's options to speak about them. So, yeah. so the, um, but we see over here something very interesting. Besides the fact that we are true in a very, very immoral state, there's something very interesting on the way Islam is also playing into this. Is you know, they, um, a while back, they, um, somebody in an Islamic uh, country, they did a mixed wedding, mixed dancing. You know, so we know Jews. We're not allowed to. What happens? So what? You know, when the rabbi is there, there's a, you know, there's like a, there's like trees in the middle as a mechitza. The second that the rabbi leaves, they're like, all right, you know. Yeah, things come off, you know. The DJ comes out, he puts on his headphones, and he's, a, you know, you know, seizuring on the thing over here. And everybody is going over here. And then the non-Jewish music comes up, and then the strobe lights come down, and the smoke comes up. And then mamash, you know, Saddam va'amorah that goes on in the weddings. So, this is what happened to one, you know, in an Islamic country. You know what they did? You know what they did? They came, they did a drive-by. Not a drive-by with, like, oh my God, I can't believe it. They did a drive-by with machine guns, and they murdered everybody in the area. That's how strict that Islam is when if you mess with them in the religion that, that's new over there, you see what they wear, what is it called? The hijab? The hijab, right? We can only see the eyes, right? So they're so strict in this that if you mess around, you're, it's death. It's death penalty. And they don't go and they'll be like, listen, we're going to warn you this time. But next time, either find a different mosque to pray. And, no, they don't do that. They'll be like, you don't listen, death. So we see over here that at the end of the days, it's so immoral. But then again, we could see, and again, we're not learning from, from Yishmaelim, but we could see how strong we have to be in the morality. How strong. And again, we're not supposed to wear the, the, you know, the covering over here. You're supposed to cover the dress the way that the, the, you know, the rabbis tell us. But at the same point in time, we could see how, how zealous they are. That we, where, where are we? Unfortunately, we have to go and learn from that. What? For us, the girls have to sit like from millions of classes, like just to wear a skirt this time. Yeah, exactly. And over there, it's if you don't wear that, you'll get your throat slit and you'll be hanging on the front porch for a while so everybody else could see. So, uh, you know, it is it is something that we could see over here. And it's something very interesting. The Kava Yashal, chapter 82. Amazing stuff. I always recommend people to buy it. They have it in English. Kava Yashal, it's amazing. It's a two-volume in uh, very, very mystical and it has a lot of Musa in it. It's it's unbelievable. So if you if you like mystical stuff and Musa, Kava Yashal is the way to go. So Kava Yashal, chapter 82, says something amazing. And it says something, you know what was the merit that we were redeemed in Egypt? The merit that we were redeemed in Egypt was due to the merit of the righteous woman. And says the Kabbalah Yashal, in the end of days, the reason why we are going to be redeemed at the end of days is because of the righteous woman. And we know one of the main focuses of a woman, the main thing, the main bracha, the main blessing that she has is in her modesty. And we see over here, right over here, at the end of days, we could see exactly what it is. There, this is where blessing comes. We know blessing comes in the house because of a woman's modesty. Blessing comes in everything because of modesty. If we have a few more minutes, um, do we have a few more minutes? I want to finish off with Edom. It would speak a little bit about Edom. Um, because we spoke a lot about Ishmael, so let's speak a little bit about Edom. First of all, who is Edom? Edom, um, uh, so, so the, the, it, it tells us in, um, that, uh, you know, the Esav had, you know, so there was somebody by the name of Tzapho, who was the son of Eliphaz, the son of Esav. He founded the city of Rome, right? He was the king of Italia. He was the king of Italy. And the civilization that was found, founded from Rome 
was an extension of all of Esav. And we know the Malbim brings down in Ovada, chapter 1, verse 1, he says that all nations that eventually accept Christianity, religion, are understood to be part of Edom. So they are part of Edom. And we know that there is going to be a final exile. The final exile is going to be of Yishmael, which we are speaking of right now, and Edom. It's going to be both of them. It's going to be Yishmael and Edom. So he says, let's try to learn a little bit for the next like two, three minutes on the exile of Edom. What's the exile of Edom? So we spoke about Ishmael. What are we able to learn from, again, not from Islam, not from reading the Quran, but rather from the character changes. What are we able to, to learn about ourselves and change about ourselves? Explains Rav Dessler. And he says that what was the, the, one of the, what happened wasn't by the time of the destruction of the second temple was the arrogance spread throughout the entire Kalal Israel. Arrogance. And because the Gemara says that the measure was filled, so because of that, the, the Bet HaMikdash was destroyed. Who was it destroyed? By, by Edom. It was destroyed by Edom, by, by Rome. So, and it's very interesting because Rome, they are known for the arrogance, for the pride and the arrogance is, is Edom, is the Western world as we know it uh, today. And this is why the Chachamim say in Sotah that at the end of days, chutzpah, uh, audacity would be increased. What's audacity comes from? It stems from arrogance, it stems from pride. So, Rav Dessler says that since the destruction, the, the pride has been an increase. And where does the pride come from? It comes from our technologically advanced, uh, you know, uh, we have, we're so advanced right now and we take pride in it. And we do, we take, we, 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 even though that this helps us and makes us more selfish, that you think, you know, we would have more time on our hands. Now the fact that we have all these, you know, we have a vacuum that can vacuum yourself. You have a dishwasher, you have a washing machine. So we have to have so much more time to be more productive. What do we do with our time? Four hours a night on the TV. You know, or whatever it is, now, even you know, just as bad is four hours, I shouldn't even say four hours, because it's usually not under six hours, you're lost in the world of Facebook, Instagram, or all the other, the other uh, social media. You're, you're in there, I'm telling you, people don't realize how much time goes by, you know, that before they go to sleep, it's just like three hours, they're just like stalking people, and be like, you know, like, oh, what, she changed, you know, like, and then you're like, you know, then you're just like, red threads are going everywhere, like, wait a minute. I think she's dating somebody else right now. I don't remember this over here. No, you're going over here. You're wasting your life. When you have all this... So what happened? It, 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 it adds to our pride, to our arrogance. And even even Elat Israel. You know why we think we have Elat Israel? What do you mean? We have one of the strongest uh, air force. You know, we have one of the ability that we have the... Um, uh, we're nuclear. You know, how many nations could say that they're nuclear? We have so much technologically advanced. That's why. So no, 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 no. So that's why we're attributing everything to our pride and our arrogance. So... Explains Rav Dessar, it says the more that we realize our final test, the more that we realize that we have only one person to rely on. The only person that we have rely on, the only entity that we have to rely on is only on God. And this explains Rav Dessar something amazing. He said 50 years ago, he says that um, Edom is going to be destroyed by Edom itself. It's something very interesting. Like, what does that mean? It says that with through their, all their technological advancements, that's how they're going to get destroyed. And we see this, you, just look at September 11th. Who built the airplanes? Who was flying the airplanes? Who fueled the airplanes? Americans. Who ended up getting... So the Islam went, and they used their own power, America's own power against itself. They used their own planes, they used their own fuel against their own buildings. Uh, Edom will destroy Edom by, by Edom within itself. So we take this our pride. We're able to go and fly on a... Literally, you're flying on a missile from one part of the world to another part of the world uh, without, you know, without a hitch. And you're able to go and we're able to build skyscrapers and be like, look at this. And it was, this was the city skyline. If you took a picture of, of New York, it, this was, it was the Twin Towers. And without, it, it looks different now. If you if you remember back then, you know, you had those, uh, um, you know, people that would, that would paint in the street with spray paint. You know, so they would do that. One of the, it's always Twin Towers and everything. Twin Towers on the moon, Twin Towers on the sun, Twin Towers and everything. Yeah, Twin Towers everywhere. That was the, that was the essence of America, the New York City, the, the, the financial capital of the world. The thing, essence is, is look what we can build. Look at this. 
two twin towers, the second same. What are they going to do? Ishmael is going to come with a few box cutters, a few things like that, and they're going to take it down from your own, with your own uh, technology. So we see over here that really at the end of the days we have no one to rely on other than in God. And the more, the quicker that we realize this, the less problems that we are going to have to go to. One of the main things that you have to take from this, from this, uh, you know, part of the Shurim is you have to enhance your faith. And Munat plays a, such an important role. We know that the, God is going to reveal Mashiach in a very miraculous way. But God doesn't reveal it in a miraculous way unless people are actually believe in, in it. They have to have faith in it. You have to have, you know, for just, you know, for, um, there was a famous story of the, in the Gemara, there was somebody who, um, you know, had vinegar. And he tried to, you know, they put the, the daughter put the candles to light for vinegar. So she was getting all nervous. She was crying. I have vinegar here instead of oil. So the rabbi, your father, says, what are you worried about? Says the God that said the, that oil should light, he will say vinegar should light also. So she went, she lit the vinegar and it lit just like oil. Because he had such faith that everything made sense for him. The more faith, by the way, the more faith that you have, the more miracles that happen to you. Because you don't, you don't see it as a miracle. They're like, what do you mean? God could do this, God could do that. What's the difference? How are they going to do it? You know, God could get, you know, you need Panasa. God's going to be able to, to give. You know, I, I'll share a story though. Um, you know, I heard, I heard this story from Rabbi Mizrahi. The, um, he, he said once there was a guy in Yeshiva. And this guy, you know, Bal Tshuva have an extra, extra level of, you know, they're able to have faith. They're able to do everything on a much higher level. Because they're coming from zero to nothing. They're more fiery. So there's one Bal Tshuva that he was, um, um, you know, he was literally, like, he learns all day, nonstop, in Yeshiva, has not a dollar to his, to his name. If I'm not mistaken, I think this is the same. Uh, it might be a different story, it might be the same. This guy once had, he had $100 to his name. And somebody came over, he was on break of uh, Yeshiva, he was going to buy, get something to eat or something, I don't know, he was, he was in the street, and somebody came over to him crying. He says, listen, I need money, I need this, I'm marrying off this. And literally, like, you know, he saw it. So what did he do? He took out his $100 and gave him everything. He turned around and went back to Yeshiva. This is what he said. He says, as I was walking back to Yeshiva, you know, I was passing by a parking lot, I, I, I looked down, I saw a $100 bill on the floor. So see, these are people that live completely for God. So listen to what this, this story. So this guy goes, and um, his parents are, came in to visit him from Israel. He was in, in Munsi, in Yeshiva, and his parents came in to visit from Israel. So uh, his parents were, were visiting, and afterwards they were flying back to Israel. They were flying with a lot of suitcases. They said, listen, you know, let's say his name is Itzik. Itzik, um, can you please get us a van for tomorrow that, you know, the flight, we have to leave here at 5 a.m. Uh, can you please get us a van for, uh, to get us to the airport with all our luggage? He's like, yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. Hashem, you know, Hashem is all. He's like, and his father's like, he's like, he's like, uh, it's like, um, he's like, you know, you know how like people get nervous, you know, like three hours before the flight they go, uh, you know, Jews usually will come in like four minutes before the flight is, you know, with like 4,000, so he's like, we're here, you know, um, but he goes and he says, listen, you know, with all due respect, I'm sure Shem is up, but can you make some phone calls? And he's like, he's like, he's like, dad, don't worry about it. He's like, he's like, well, you'll have, you'll have a car by tomorrow, I guarantee it, don't worry about it. So he's like, he's like, okay, fine. He wakes up at, um, he wakes up at like 4 a.m. And he's going to go, he decides before he's going to travel, his, you know, drive his parents to the, to the, no car, by the way, still, nothing, nothing, right? He went to learn last night, he went to sleep like a baby, without any problem. And he wakes up 4 a.m., thank you very much, he wakes up 4 a.m. to go to the, uh, to go to drive his parents, thank you, to drive his parents to the airport, but he still has no van, no car. So he goes to, um, he decides he's going to go to the mikvah before he goes to drive them. He goes to the mikvah, and after he, he goes to the mikvah, as he's going out, he sees another guy walking in. And he's like, he's like, he remembers, like, oh, you know, I need, I need a van. He goes to this guy, 4 a.m., two people in the mikvah. And he says, hey, uh, listen, uh, you know, Shmuley, um, I, I need to, I'm going to, I have to drive my parents to the, to the airport. Do you manage to have any, uh, any car, like a van or something? He's like, he's like, yeah, yeah, sure. I just, you know, and this guy who he spoke to, who was he? He was a, he was a car dealer. You know, so he constantly has different cars. And he says, I just bought from the auction yesterday a van to sell. He says, yeah, yeah, here you go. Here's the keys. Enjoy. What was it? He drives out a van. 
no sweating, no worries, no nothing. Have complete faith in God. When you have complete faith in God, things are going to happen for you. Things are going to happen, you can see it. The more faith that you have for God, this is one of our tasks at the end of the days. We have to have faith in God. You have to have faith in God that God's going to send you your right one. You have to have faith in God that God's going to send you panasa. Everything comes 100% from God. But when you have faith, you can't be like, listen, I have faith from God, but you don't listen to God. Be like, it comes hand in hand. You know, if you have faith in God, that means you believe in God. If you believe in God, that means you listen to God. But if you have all those, all those, you'll see your life is going to be a different life. People that live in it are more relaxed. They're, they're, everything is awesome. Everything is fine. Everything is amazing. This is one of our focuses. Our focuses are, it has to be in the end of the days, is to strengthen our emunah. We have to strengthen our faith. The more you strengthen it, again, you're going to see tremendous, tremendous uh, growth. Also, very important, can't stress this enough, please, and including myself, I'm speaking to myself, let us not fool ourselves. Do not ever think that you're good. Let me rephrase that. You're excellent. You're amazing. Do not ever think that you're good enough, that you're good right where you are. You should, I stressed this also last class, you should never think that you're bad. Because if you think you're bad, you'll do bad. You should always think that you're good, but that you could always do more. And when you have the ability that I'm always, you're learning, let's say, an hour a day, you could say, I could do an hour and five. You're not learning, you could do that. You're not dressing modestly, you could do a little bit more. You could do something. When you have the strive to do more, you'll be able to accomplish a lot. And Bezat Hashem, may we do that, may we actually see the end of this Galut Ishmael, end Galut Adom, and we see Mashiach from Hela Be'aminu. Any questions? Yeah. Yes. Ishmael, they're smart or lucky? <laughs> Neither. They have, uh, the lucky, I don't like the term lucky, but they have merit. Smart, what, you know, but They don't look smart, but then like sometimes they do things. They have merit. Like... They have the merit. Yeah. They have the merit. Yeah. Um, if, if we aren't supposed to trust any of them, why do we make treaties and why do we... Like, because who makes the treaties? The liberal government. The liberal communist, well, not whatever-ish government. So we can't say no? We can't. We, 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 we try. We try to, to, to fight against it. You know, the one, you know, we don't want to give lands back to, uh, you know, we have Jewish Betak Nesot that we have, we, we gave back to the Palestinians. We wanted, of course the, the religious people didn't want to do that. So we knew, we knew already, we're saying this back then when, you know who listens to us? Yeah. Bizarre Hashem, hopefully, Bizarre Hashem, very soon everyone's gonna be listening to the religious side. Um, but unfortunately, you know, people still think that they have the power. It's IDF, it's this, we have this, we're bringing this technology. You know, it's, it's, it's unfortunate. We have to realize we can only rely on one thing and one thing only. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.